I hope everyone's having a fantastic day today. I know I am. We are only a few couple weeks closer to the NFL season beginning. I know we are about one week away from college football. I know a lot of people, I got a lot of friends, super excited for college football to be back. Football season is just right around the corner. I'm very excited for it. And def- like definitely best time of the year, especially long-awaited you know, season, everyone's, you know, getting the jitters, everyone's getting excited, because I know I am. Preseason is about to wrap up. This is week three of the preseason for the NFL, so they're about almost finished. Very excited. And right around this time is when I believe, like, the preseason, I think, is a little more serious. It's typically the last couple last couple weeks, in my opinion. But now that they cut the season short, the preseason shorter to four, uh, from four to three, I think that this is kind of the more, like, kind of the more more time of the preseason where everyone starts taking it serious because this is exactly when we see how good our teams are going to be because they're going to start playing the starters soon like for example the Dallas Cowboys are going to probably play Dak in the offense to kind of get them in rhythm I think they should have played them like a series or two in the last preseason game against Seattle but whatever so we look so a lot of teams are looking to do that you know this last preseason week just kind of get the starters you know in motion get their blood pumping and get them ready week one of the NFL season which is not very far away like I said and I'm very excited for all of this to start so before we get into the depth of this podcast episode I do want to say I did have my fantasy draft uh, last night so as of this recording it is or as of this uh, today they recorded about a day or two ago um, or not recorded actually we held the draft uh, we held the draft so I'm very excited um, I, I like my team I really do I just think that mm, it's just some players are a little bit more, hopefully they do well. I think I have a pretty good starting team, definitely for sure. Um, I do kind of hate that like um, I was in the middle. Or actually, no, I like my pick. I did like where I was at. I like that I was like in the middle of the pack. Um, I was in the middle, essentially. I was like right in the middle of everyone in the draft. I was the sixth pick in the draft. So I got some pretty decent players. I got some pretty good offensive you know, offensive weapons. I was able to get a, a, a good kicker. I got some pretty good quarterbacks. Uh, I'll definitely show you guys probably on TikTok or my Instagram of my fantasy team and give me a rating on what you guys think of what my team is going to be. I know um, from the app that we use, they predicted I was going to be around like maybe in the middle of the pack. You know, I was probably going to finish like, I think, I forgot what the number was. I think they said like six and nine. They're projecting me to finish. But it's just because when you look at everyone else and on paper, in a perfect world, a lot of people that you draft, you know, in a perfect world, if they stay healthy and nothing happens to them, they should, in theory, you know, get you a lot of points. And obviously, there's a lot of things you got to take into consideration when the season begins. But as of right now, through my app, uh, through my fantasy team, I'm projected to be like tied for eighth or something like that. But I still think I got a pretty decent team. I know last year, I think it told me the same thing last year. I had like a little bit of a, you know, middle of the pack team, and I ended up going pretty far in the playoffs. So. You never know. Things always happen, and definitely, you know, fantasy always changes. So, very excited to see how my team is going to do this year. Like I said, I will be, I'll, I will definitely post what my team looks like this year um, for fantasy on TikTok and Instagram. So, make sure you guys keep an eye out for that one, just so that way you guys can see and kind of grade, you know, how I did and see how my team is going to do for the year. But with all that said and done, let's get started. We're looking at the Dallas Cowboys. Obviously, you know, Cowboys fan versus the world. We got to look at America's team right here, the best team. 
So we just played recently against the Seattle Seahawks in week two of the preseason. We lost, sadly. And we lost a little more than I, I, I think we lost a lot more than just the game because I can live with losing a preseason game because nobody really cares unless you're a Baltimore Ravens fan. It's apparently a big deal up until the commanders came in. But for us, I believe we lost a lot, and I think I think we I learned a lot from this team. So one of the bigger losses is overshone the linebacker from Texas, the rookie tore his ACL in the uh, in, during the game. I believe like right in the beginning of the game, and he's gonna be out for the rest of the year. <laughs> it's not good. I don't. I hate it because I was very excited for overshone to be here. I was very excited. You know, I saw him play at Texas his final year in the Big 12. Obviously, I'm a Tech guy, so I saw Texas, and I saw him play. He was just all over the field. He could play zone. He can blitz. He can play man-to-man -man coverage. He could be on the D-line. He could blow it up in the middle. He was just an all-around, like, linebacker and great for the position, especially since we're going to need that with a little bit of an aging Van Der Esch. Micah Parson is now going to be doing more of defensive end duties, especially with what happened to Sam Williams, which we'll get to that a little bit later. So, Having Overshone there to line up with Damian Clark from LSU, the second-year man, it was definitely going to be a really big help, especially since we don't have Anthony Barr this year. And with him getting injured, it's just not really like a bad sign for him. It's just more of an unfortunate sequence that happened to us during the preseason game. I petition we just stop playing against Seattle in the preseason because nothing good happens when you play Seattle in the preseason if you're a Dallas Cowboys fan because last time this happened, Tony Romo got injured, and that was really crazy in 2016 i mean if you want to look at a bright side dak emerged but still it was an injury that nobody wanted to see happen and same thing with overshone so now with him being gone obviously dan quinn's gonna to have to make a lot of adjustments without him because he was looked like he was going to be either a projected starter or for sure he was going to get in the rotation for the games at at outside linebacker while michael parsons can definitely go and go, try to go get the quarterback you know majority of the time so with him being gone and possibly who knows what's going to happen to Sam Williams, like I said, we'll get to that a little bit later in the podcast. With all this happening, Dan Quinn's going to have to adjust, you know, adjust right before the start of the season. So whether it be we try to sign a free agent linebacker that's maybe still available, maybe make a trade, something, because I think that's going to be one of the more crucial parts of our defense going into this upcoming season, especially with especially with with how the division is looking and who we're going up against, I think linebacker is going to be one of those positions where we need to make sure we solidify it, whether it be we got to move Micah back to outside linebacker or we try to go find somebody else or hopefully, I believe they announced that Marquise Bell, uh, the strong safety, number 41, he's going to start taking over linebacker duties, kind of like a Keanu Neal type. You know, he plays safety, but he's strong enough to be, you know, an outside linebacker. He's fast enough to keep up with coverage since he's obviously – he plays. He's more dominant in secondary. So having him there, I think, is going to be a little bit of help, just so that way they don't have to put Micah Parsons back, you know, at outside linebacker. I think having Marquise Bell kind of do a little bit more linebacker duties is going to be. It's going to be helpful for Overshone not being there. It's going to make up for it a little bit. I believe whenever they play the Raiders this upcoming uh, last preseason game, that's definitely going to show if that if that idea is going to work. Especially, like I said, we're going to need linebackers going in throughout the season, especially with Van Der Esch, who knows how long he'll last. I know last year he lasted a whole season, but that was because, you know, Micah Parsons was able to be that guy to go get the quarterback. He can just focus on playing in the zone, you know, trying not to overextend himself, not get hurt. But still, you know, he is a little bit up there in age. He's an older linebacker than the rest of the linebacking core that we have in Dallas. So maybe Marquise Bell can come on in like Keanu Neal did last year and just kind of 
you know, either man in the middle or play outside linebacker, play coverage, just so we can have Micah Parsons focus on getting to the quarterback since that's definitely his strongest point, you know, and definitely his strongest attribute to the team is being able to go get the quarterback. I mean, we've all seen clips of him in training camp and just, you know, his past few years he's been in the league just throwing left tackles and guards and being able to beat that beat that all the max protection everything like that so hopefully this linebacking this linebacker situation can be fixed you know with marquise bell stepping in so that way we don't have to move michael parsons the linebacker he can keep you know doing his you know kind of sticking to pass rushing and sticking with that and rolling with it because that's going to be our biggest you know definitely our biggest weapon is michael parsons he's considered probably he's probably he's definitely considered the best defensive and linebacker combo in the league right now he's he's also arguably the best of the best defensive player in the league right now he's in i believe he's also like a leader for defensive player of the year this upcoming year he should have won last year in my opinion but he didn't he may win it this year so having him you know maintain focus on going to get the quarterback is going to be essential to us especially you know with philadelphia you know us facing philadelphia twice a year we got to go against the giants and the commanders we got to go against aaron Rodgers and the 49ers and the patriots there's a lot of teams we got to go up against and having him you know rush the quarterback is definitely going to be you know crucial so let so i think we have to look at it that way and you know hopefully marquise bell can step up at linebacker and you know do his due diligence however if he doesn't do well i believe we should try to go get a linebacker free agency or try to make a trade for somebody that may not want a linebacker just because he's going to be super crucial i thought we were going to try to re-sign anthony Barr. now he's with the saints i thought we'd try to re-sign him to keep him you know keep him there because i thought he was a real big help and a great addition last year to that defense because he was able to he's a really good zone coverage linebacker so i thought we may try to keep him maybe extend him for another year Hopefully, you know, like I said, Marquise Bell can step in like Keanu Neal did and, you know, just play outside linebacker. Worst case, play middle and have Peyton Vanderish move outside. So we'll have to wait and see how this defense is going to look. You know, Dan Quinn's a smart guy. He's able, he was able to make the Legion of Boom work. He got to a Super Bowl with the Atlanta Falcons. So he, if anyone can make this work with Overshawn being injured, it's going to be Dan Quinn. So I have faith that Dan Quinn can figure out a defensive scheme to, you know, to make up for the loss of overshone so that way you know we can still stay as a stable defense if he consider the best defense in the nfl right now and help our team get to the super bowl you know this year you know without overshone hope me you never know because i mean a torn acl does take a lot of time to heal but say we make playoffs maybe he might be ready for that we don't know you know it's you know acls i know in my opinion are pretty bad ones those take forever those are career changing life-changing injuries so hopefully uh overshone can come back as soon as he can and speedy recovery to him you know if he can't play this year i'm very excited for him next year just because of what i saw in the preseason games so hopefully he can come back stronger next year and definitely make that you know that big impactful difference that we all know he can do and what he brings to the table this this what he was going to bring to the table this year he could bring it back again next year this kind of reminds me a little bit of that uh jalen smith's uh predicament we were in whenever we drafted jalen smith uh the notre dame from notre dame you know, he had that really bad back injury, and, you know, it was a possibility he was maybe going to be good. He ended up deep being, you know, he was pretty good for a few years with the Dallas Cowboys. He was a great middle linebacker. So it may be one of those situations where he is just, his time will come, but we just got to be, we just got to wait and be patient. And, you know, patience, patience is a virtue. It always, you know, it can be great for you. So hopefully Overshawn can recover, you know, speedy recovery to him, you know, and hopefully we get to see him soon in that Dallas Cowboys uniform next year.
Alrighty, so moving on to another thing I saw in the preseason game, and I think this is a little bit of a this was a little bit more of a bother to me uh, from what I saw, and I'm talking about quarterback Will Greer. Now, my problem with Will Greer is I know I shouldn't really have a problem with a third-string quarterback. You know, he's not going to play. However, from what I saw last year, this is where I'm starting to have the concern, um, and this is what I mean. So last year, you know, nobody thought you would have to go through a, a handful of quarterbacks in a year. Last year was definitely proof that – that can happen. Let's look at the 49ers. The 49ers went through uh, Trey Lance, Jimmy Garoppolo, Brock Purdy, and then they went through a bunch of other more in the playoffs when they played Philadelphia. Look how that worked out. And then let's move on over to the Jets, who, who had Zach Wilson. Then they put in Mike White. Then they put back in Zach Wilson. Then they put somebody else in. Let's look at the Miami Dolphins, who had Tua that got injured, and he should have not been out there because he got concussed twice. Then you have Teddy Bridgewater, who got hurt. They had to bring in Skylar Tom uh, Thompson, uh, Thomas. Sorry about that. Uh, oh, Skylar Thompson. Yeah, sorry. Skylar Thompson in, you know, because they were running out of quarterbacks. Let's look at, uh, I believe the Ravens had that similar issue. Lamar Jackson got hurt. Tyler Huntley. And then they still they had to play their third-string quarterback as well. Then we look at the Commanders. They went through a – they went through – what, who was it? Carson Wentz, Taylor Heineke, and then Sam Howell. There's a lot of teams that went through a lot of quarterbacks this year. The Arizona Cardinals are another one. Kyler Murray, Colt McCoy, Trace McSorley, uh, Dow, I believe, was another one. There was a lot of teams last year that went through so many quarterbacks. It is just, it just amazed me because no one thought that would ever happen, that teams would go through that many quarterbacks, not because of bad play. Some of them were for bad play. Some others were because of injury the rams are another example matthew stafford got hurt for the year they had to go get baker mayfield and then you had to bring him in it was it was a fiasco for quarterbacks last year and what i think is the thing is now that the nfl passing the rule that you can have now three quarterbacks on the main on the active roster for games it's going to be crucial in my opinion to have not i don't need to have three elite quarterbacks on a team but i need three quarterbacks to know how to run the offense Dak Prescott, we're going to see if he can run the offense. He's looks, he looked comfortable. He's been saying he's been feeling comfortable in this new West Coast offense that Mike McCarthy wants to implement this year. And then Cooper Rush in the preseason games, he looks like he can kind of manage it, you know, get the hang of it. You know, he kind of takes a little bit of a second to get his groove, but once he gets his groove, you know, he's able to move the ball. However, Will Greer was my problem for the last two preseason games. And like I said, I shouldn't be caring this much. But however, I care because that scenario can always happen to another team where you're probably going to need that third-string quarterback to step up and, you know, make big plays or come in and just get the team a win, you know? There's always going to be that situation now, and that's the concerning thing. So whenever you look at it that way, it's kind of, to me, what, like, what are we going to do if Dak Prescott and Cooper Rush get hurt and we have a quarterback that has no idea how to run an offense when we have a quarterback that doesn't know how to essentially to essentially not be able to run a complete offense and go about it that way that's my bigger concern so that's definitely like the biggest concern for me is how is he going to run the offense when he can't run it that is my biggest concern so hopefully Hopefully, we can kind of get this figured out with Will Greer. But I don't know, because my biggest thing is if you've been in the league, or at least you've been in the same team for a couple of years, you should at least already know how the offense is going to run. That is my biggest thing. 
you have to know how it's going to work and how the team is going to operate. That's my biggest concern. You have to be able to do that. There's no way you can't you can just not know on an offense, especially since you have been there for years. You've worked under this team. You've been around Mike McCarthy and Dak Prescott and Cooper Rush long enough to know that you should be able to be you should be able to run an offense to the best of your ability. And that's something you need to learn. Okay, I don't know if my microphone is working. Is it is anyone can hear me very clearly? I'm just gonna keep going. So with Will Greer struggling in this offense and definitely showing he can kind of move, but he can't because he doesn't come up big in big plays, which is, you know, I can possibly get over that. I possibly can't. But not, but not if we're going to possibly need him in case of an emergency situation. You can't go about it that way. You just can't. You really, really cannot go about this situation in, you know, and not have a third-string quarterback that doesn't know how to run the offense. You just can't. Like I believe in that part of the era where maybe you just need the second-string quarterback, the backup, to be able to make plays like Cooper Rush did last season when he went 4-1, um, last season when Dak got hurt, when he was gone for five games. That was able to work. We were able to make that work. But what happens if Dak Prescott gets hurt and Cooper Rush suffers an injury or he's not doing well? you got to get thrown in the game. It's game time for you. That is a big concern for me because if Will Greer can't get it, like can't click or can't get it together, he's making easy plays, you know, hard or he can't make simple reads, that's my biggest concern because we may need him to get in there. And what's going to happen when he has to go up against starting defensive backs, starting linebackers, defensive line? All of them are studs, pro, former Pro Bowlers, you know, Pro Bowl selected, Super Bowl champions. What's going to happen when you get thrown into the fire like that? That's going to be my biggest question mark is what's going to happen when you're put in the situation that you're in. So when I look at Will Greer and I see how he's playing and I'm thinking, okay, he should know this, or not should know the offense pretty well, but he should be able to run it. I don't need him to be Patrick Mahomes. I do not need him to be, you know, this all-around great backup quarterback. I don't need him to be like Cooper Rush, even though a lot of people had him battling against Cooper Rush. All I need him to do is be able to run the offense, be a game manager for all I care. Just be able to run it. And when you can't run it, my thing is that you've been on the same team. You've been on this team for a couple years. You gotta be able to figure out the system or figure out a way to run the offense, whether it be simplifying it more, or you know asking for more help, you know, from the coaches or something else. Because there are times where I saw on the sideline where he's beating himself up, looking down. The coach is trying to help him out. And he's feeling sorry for himself when it's one of those, dude. You turn the ball over. You turn the ball over. You know, shake it off. Let's go get. Let's go fix it. Let's fix the problem. Because you never know when you're going to get put into situations where you're just going to have to hop in the game. That's my concern, and that's my biggest thing for him, you know, being a third-string quarterback. And he has, to, he has to be suited up. Now that the NFL passed that they can suit up, that's going to be the biggest issue for him. He can possibly go into the game at, at a random point. You never know now. Like I said, last year there's a, there was a bunch of teams that had that situation. The, the Titans were another one. Like I said, the Rams. The the Arizona Cardinals, even Carolina went through a bunch of quarterbacks. The Jets, Miami, there's so many teams that went through a cycle of quarterbacks. You never know if you're gonna, you know, your name's gonna get called. 
You never know when you're going to get hurt. Like I said, Dak got hurt last year. Cooper Rush had to step in for five games, and he led the offense. I didn't. Now, I don't think he was the main reason for the wins, but he definitely was able to come in and look like he he knew the offense, and he look he actually looks like he understands the offense, which is an even better thing for the Dallas Cowboys because they have backups that they can trust. If you're not a backup you can trust, then I don't understand why you why we have you in the first place. Then I think that maybe we should maybe look into another quarterback. You know, and I can understand if this is Will Greer, like he's a rookie, third string, you know, we drafted him late in the rounds this past year. I can get behind that because he's going to take time to learn. But he's been in the NFL for a little bit, and I believe he was with the Carolina Panthers for uh, when he first came in, and he's been with the Cowboys for about three or four years. Let's, let, you got to figure it out. Like, you just have to, in my opinion, because if you don't, that's going to be an issue going forward, and that's not really, like, what you want, in my opinion. All right, so moving on, so another issue that hand for the Dallas Cowboys, Sam Williams has been arrested. That ain't good. So Sam Williams, defensive end for the Dallas Cowboys, he was starting to look like a, he was about to emerge as a star, the second-year man out of Ole Miss. Got arrested for, I believe, having weapons in the back of his car. He got pulled over by police in Dallas, I believe, and they found, like, armed weapons in his vehicle, and he got arrested. Ugh, this guy, man. It sucks because I like Sam Williams. I think he's a really great player. I think he has the potential to be, you know, if D-Law ever decides, you know, if he decides to retire or whatever, Sam Williams would be a perfect replacement. He would be, you know, he would be a giant, great fit for the Dallas Cowboys defensive scheme. And clearly he's shown that under Dan Quinn. Whenever he comes in last season, like when Lawrence or Micah needs a break, he comes in and makes a play. Whenever he comes in, you know, at defensive end for just maybe just a start, he makes those plays. In the preseason, he made big plays against number one QBs, against Trevor Lawrence and against Geno Smith. He made those plays. But you got to be available to be able to show off your talent. You can't be getting arrested. You can't be, you know, trying to figure out what you're going to do. You can't be, you know, getting in trouble. That was one of the big things whenever he was getting drafted. He was a potential first-round pick. Uh, out of Ole Miss, but then he dropped because he had off-the-field issues. Now he got arrested. Who knows how long he's going to be suspended because he got arrested. There's so many things that are question marks right now because of the fact that he's, you know, he's going to not be there. The best ability is availability, whether it be injuries or off-the-field situations. Don't put yourself in the problem where you're going to off-season or not off-season, off-field problems are going to limit you, you know, and your success. You can never allow that to happen. You know, you can you can get past if it's injuries or something like that, but when your your character off the field is not good and you're getting arrested, you're getting in trouble, that's when teams are not going to want you. And it sucks because I believe he's going to be a great defensive end for the Dallas Cowboys. Like I said, if D-Law retires, he's a great replacement. If Micah Parsons needs a break, Sam Williams can still come in and make a difference with Dante Fowler on the other side. He's, you know, he's shown that. He's he's shown that he could be a great. Uh, he's great at defensive line depth. He's great at defensive end, and he can make a difference on the defense, especially once you know maybe the older guys leave. He can come in and be that replacement. And that's the problem is that he can be, but will he is another question because of the because of what he's doing off the field is not. It's not great, and it's something that I felt I feel like we should not be having an issue, especially since that was what 
ultimately dropped his draft stock in the first place. He, like I said, he was a projected first-round pick. He fell out of the first round because he had off-field problems. So when you look at that situation and you try to figure it out, that's where I believe the issue is going to come from. So if you're Sam Williams, this has to be your wake-up call. There's no way this cannot be a wake-up call. There's no way that you can't learn from this. You know, you're just face your suspension, take the fines, figure out what you're going to do. Hopefully nothing super bad happens to him, but let's figure it out. Like just hopefully he reflects on this and says, you know what, I'm messing up. I need to get help, whatever. Let's figure it out so that way I don't taint or ruin my NFL career that he looks like he's going to have a promising one. Like I said, he was great his rookie year. He stepped up when he needed to be. This year he looked like he took a step forward. Now, with him being arrested and probably going to be missing a few games, it's going to hurt him. It really is. And it's going to hurt probably the team because they see so much potential in him. But he's screwing it up. He's the one putting himself in the situation. And you can't do that, if, especially if you want to have a very long and successful NFL career. <coughs> All right, so we're moving on to, from the Dallas Cowboys talk. We're going to look at a new segment here on the Cowboys Fan vs. the World podcast, a new segment we like to call Around the around the NFL World. So we're going to talk about some topics happening right now in the NFL aside of the Dallas Cowboys. So let's get straight into them. So first up, we're heading on over to our NFC rivals, the 49ers. Trey Lance has been officially promoted to QB3 for the 49ers. I guess it's safe to say that Trey Lance is officially a bust. Like, he's, he's a bust. Here's why. Trey Lance was, you know, the 49ers gave up three first-round picks to draft him to Miami. Now it's looking like Miami looked like he, they won the trade because they got three first-round picks out of the 49ers for a quarterback. And here was my thing when I looked at Trey Lance, whenever I found out he was high on everyone's draft board. My thing was that he only played one full season in college in Division II at North Dakota State. How in the world does that eclipse, how does that get you to a top pick in the draft? That's what I didn't understand, was that how did Trey land? It was the same, it was the same argument with Zach Wilson when he got drafted. Like, how did he go up to, all the way up to a, high, a possible draft pick when not a lot of people heard about him? It was the same thing with Trey Lance when I heard about Zach Wilson. It was like, how does this guy getting scouted, how do they think that he's going to be a top quarterback prospect compared to maybe others in the draft? I didn't get it. I don't understand it. So when I looked, when I saw all that happen, and now we're looking at it now, it's just, I mean, it kind of, it's kind of hard to say I didn't call it, you know? I didn't think he, I didn't think he may work out in the NFL because he hasn't had a lot of, he hasn't had a lot of experience at tougher challenges in college to be able to come into the NFL and take over. Some people were saying, like, well, Carson Wentz was Division Two. Look how he did. He got to a Super Bowl. Well, he didn't get to the Super Bowl. He was on a Super Bowl team because he got hurt. He did almost win MVP. But what was he like after that? He wasn't great because he got hurt. Trey Lance now hasn't played a full season since he stepped foot in the NFL. Hasn't played even half of a season. Some of the stats that I was able to find just from his time he played, he's thrown for 797 yards. He has five passing touchdowns to three interceptions. And that's just what I can find out of the very, very small, small fraction of his career that he's played in the NFL. And now he's promoted to third-string quarterback. Who got, who, got, you know, who got second string? Sam Darnold. 
who was another top pick. A lot of people had him going higher than Baker Mayfield. He went to the Jets, then he went to Carolina, and now he's with the 49ers. Now, in Carolina, I didn't think he was bad. So when I saw when I heard that the 49ers picked up Sam Darnold, I thought that's good. If worst case, Trey Lance doesn't work, or if they don't believe in him, they have someone else that has proven that they can run at least an offense. Keep in mind, Sam Darnold did go 4-0 at one point in the season for the Carolina Panthers. He did decent, in my opinion. Whenever he played, he stepped up when he needed to be. A lot of people liked him in Carolina. So him coming to the 49ers, I'm thinking, well, he's got weapons. He's got Kyle Shanahan on the team coaching him. He's going to be fine. He's a great backup for Brock Purdy. And that was my thing, is that he's going to be a backup for Brock Purdy, and so is Trey Lance. Now that it's been officially announced that Brock Purdy is number one, Sam Darnold's number two, and Trey Lance is number three, what a waste! Like, what a waste of a trade of a trade compensation to get him for the 49ers. Let's move on over to QB1. Brock Purdy, Mr. Irrelevant, the last pick in the draft. You know how much money the 49ers are saving having Brock Purdy at starting compared to having Trey Lance on the bench? It is a lot of money. It is a lot of money. Trey Lance is making more than Brock Purdy, and Brock Purdy is the starting quarterback for the 49ers, and Trey Lance is on the bench. Not even second string. He is on the bench. He is with players like Will Greer and others that are on. That's the third string quarterback. Skylar Thompson, another one. He's a third string. Trey Lance is a top first round pick in the draft, and he's not. You know, he just isn't that good. He can't. He can't figure it out. And that's the, it's kind of the same argument I had with Will Greer. If you've been there for a couple years in that system, you have to at least figure something out. When I saw him play in the preseason, because I know that was the debate, who was going to be number two? Because Brock Purdy was going to still be number one. I felt he was going to be number one regardless of the injury. Was it going to be Sam or was it going to be Trey? When I saw Sam Darnold throw the ball in that offense, he looked comfortable. He looked fluid. He looked like he can run that offense, which Kyle Shanahan has a, does a great job having to figure out, you know, what system can, you know, what system can make their quarterbacks be successful to the max of their abilities. Sam Darnold learned the system. Keep in mind, Sam Darnold just got to the 49ers. Trey Lance has been there for a couple years, and he looks like he's lost. He looks like he can't figure it out. Brock Purdy, like I said, rookie last year, wasn't even expected to play. Came in. Brock Purdy got the 49ers to be the number one offense. They averaged the most points in the NFL with 31.9 points per game. They averaged that under Brock Purdy. Brock Purdy got them an NFC West championship. Brock Purdy also got them two playoff wins in his first year playing. And Trey Lance hasn't even got hasn't even made it to week 15 consecutive games in in his NFL career. That that is like what a waste of a pick. What a waste of time essentially the 49ers have done, you know, because they overshot for a quarterback that they thought was going to be the future. There's nothing wrong with that, but you know, thinking that they're going to be the future, but wow. He can't, he can't even beat Sam Darnold, who's been, you know, kind of, you know, been going around the NFL trying to find somewhere to be, and he can't be outbeat him, and he's been in Kyle Shanahan's system a lot longer than Sam Darnold has. Somehow, Sam Darnold figured out that offense way before Trey Lance did, and that's not good. So, what are the 49ers going to do? Because they can't really get their three first-round picks back. No one's going to give up that much cap draft, uh, uh, draft capital for Trey Lance, they're kind of just stuck with them, essentially. They're stuck with a first-round pick 
that's making more money than Sam Darnold and Brock Purdy, and he's not even starting. He's on the bench. Hopefully he can play. Now, like I stated with the Cowboys situation, you never know what may happen this season. You know, injuries can happen. Things can always, you know, occur where maybe he can step up and prove everybody wrong. But what I saw in the preseason games, preseason with, you know, essentially training camp or, you know, practice players, he looked like he still can't figure it out. And that's the concerning part is that if you've been in that team for a while, in Kyle Shanahan's offense, keep that in mind, Kyle Shanahan's offense that's, very QB friendly. A lot of QBs can figure it out very easily. Jimmy Garoppolo figured it out and got to a Super Bowl with him. Brock Purdy came in his first year, figured it out, and they got to the NFC Championship. Sam Darnold, who just came in, and now he's QB2. And Trey Lance still somehow can't figure it out. That's that's a sign of he's not he's just not going to be good. So who knows what's, what's going to be for the future of Trey Lance. I just don't think he's probably going to start anywhere in the NFL unless they are just that desperate. I know they said that maybe some teams might be interested in trying to get, you know, maybe trade for him to try to rebuild him, rebuild his uh, his NFL career back, maybe under, you know, you know, a veteran quarterback or learn under somebody like what they did with Jordan Love or with Zach Wilson now with Aaron Rodgers or maybe put him under Russell Wilson so whenever his contract's done, he can maybe step in and, you know, having a veteran leader, you know, kind of train him uh, better than Garoppolo did. But I, I don't know. Because if you can't figure it out in Kyle Shanahan's offense where it's super QB friendly, you know, he can he's a, considered a quarterback whisperer in the NFL, and he somehow still can't get it, there's an issue. Like, there's just a big issue, and there's no way you should – there's no way you should be, like, be that bad, in my opinion. Especially when you were talked so highly, you were, you know, praised by so many draft analysts, you know, Mel Kuyper and them. You know, you've gotten so much praise, but yet you can't even figure out the offense, and you've been there for a couple years now. There's just no way. There's no way he cannot figure it out. And, you know, like I said, I don't know what's going to happen to Trey Lance from this point forward, but I, I don't see him start being a starting quarterback anymore in the NFL. I'm sorry. I was not sold on him in the beginning when he got, first got drafted. I was a little more like, I don't know, a North Dakota State guy that barely played one season coming in and taking over. And now we, we kind of just saw, you know, what happened to him. And now we kind of see who's really Mr. Irrelevant on the 49ers. Alrighty, so moving on to the next team, Jonathan Taylor, the Indianapolis Colts. Jonathan Taylor has been asking for a trade, and Jim Ursay has now granted, uh, granted permission for Jonathan Taylor to seek out a trade. I don't like it for a couple reasons, more for Anthony Richardson, but let's talk about this. So... Jonathan Taylor with the whole running back situation, you know, they're underpaid, undervalued, you know, and now he wants he wants a trade. He wants to get out of Indianapolis. Jim Mercy said, no, under no circumstances am I trading Jonathan Taylor. He's not going anywhere. If he wants to miss, he can miss out on money. And now he he's granted, you know, he's granted the permission. However, he said that, I, well, if anyone wants Jonathan Taylor, I want a first-round pick. You know, I, I want top player draft cop, uh, competent, you know, he wants – he wants to be compensated pretty good. He wants some draft picks. He maybe want a player to help out Anthony Richardson and go from there. Now, would this help Jonathan Taylor? Yes. I think he's way too good of a talent to be wasted in the Indianapolis Colts. He's definitely, you know, he should get paid a little bit just because he's a, he's a 
pretty good, he's a really good talent. The offense revolves around him. And that was my argument I had with running backs is that if you're a generational talent or your the offense revolves around you, you should get paid something. If it's neither of those two, then I don't I don't see why you would why you should pay him a lot of money, especially since everyone's moving more to a passing league. But Jonathan Taylor in this situation, he fits under the offense revolves around him. About six about I say 70-30 of the offense is through him. And with Anthony Richardson coming in, my biggest thing for Anthony Richardson, rookie quarterback out of Florida, who I thought is was drafted way too high. He was overdrafted. He was I think he's overhyped because I saw I saw I saw the clips of him in Florida. I did. But I also saw the numbers he put up and it was not very good numbers. It was the same thing I had with Will Levis. Like where did these two come from? And why are they drafted? Why are they projected to be first rounders if they don't even put up first rounder numbers? So, but my my biggest thing was when he got drafted to the Colts. My biggest thing was okay. He has Jonathan Taylor. He can have the pressure off of him. He goes to Jonathan Taylor. Maybe they may, don't do well his rookie year, but at least Jonathan Taylor will help him in his development. He can kind of figure out the offense slowly. You know, get his stride going. You know. Maybe a little bit towards more of the end of the season is when he kind of figures it out, and then you see, okay, like there's hope because he figured it out, and Jonathan Taylor, you know, kind of helping him out and being there is gonna open would open up a lot of things for him, like like his athletic ability, which was one of the things. So with Jonathan Taylor not being there, it's just it's really just it's gonna ruin Anthony Richardson hands down. The Colts are trying to ruin Anthony Richardson by letting Jonathan Taylor seek out a trade. Here's why. Because a lot of rookie quarterbacks, let's look at Brock Purdy last year. If you put Brock Purdy, I know I just praised him in the last segment, but let's let's move, let's move shift over to this and stay with me here. So if you took Brock Purdy and you put him in a situation where he didn't have the talent like Debo or Brandon Ayuk or George Kittle or Elijah Mitchell or CMC, what what would he look like, you know? And there's been, and there's been instances where rookie quarterbacks that have come in, like Trevor Lawrence did his rookie year, he didn't have that many weapons, and he wasn't that great. Joe Burrow got hurt, and he didn't have many weapons, but when he first arrived, uh, Daniel Jones didn't really have any weapons when he first arrived either. I still don't think he has that many weapons either way. However, there's rookie quarterbacks that have gone through that, and then you look at uh, rookie quarterbacks that were able to you know, develop, you know, know, develop, go through a good length of development with you know, a weapon. Let's look at Dak Prescott in 2016 when he had to take over four Tony Romo, when he got hurt by in the Seattle game, Ezekiel Elliott was there, and he was and he's and he was considered the best young running back in that draft class. You know, first round pick, he definitely helped take the weight off of Dak Prescott, and they were able to get you know get the number one seed, and they got to a, they lost in the division round against Aaron Rodgers. However, having him there was a big help because it took the pressure off of Dak Prescott. Then let's look at let's look at a little bit of some other teams that have done that. Ryan Tannehill, when Derrick Henry emerged to be the dominant running back, that offense started to you know started to you know go trend in the right direction up, with Derrick Henry being able to run it. So even with veteran quarterbacks, you've seen that having a, at least a solid running game or a decent running game will help, especially when you're a rookie quarterback. Having that having weapons or at least a decent running game. You don't have all the pressure. You don't have to try to make the play every time. So now when you look at Anthony Richardson, when he has, you know, Jonathan Taylor there, it's a little different because now, you know, he can run the ball. If he starts getting frustrated, he can always lean on Jonathan Taylor to help him out, you know, give him a couple handoffs, relax, figure it out that way. But now with Jonathan Taylor possibly heading out the door 
And it's just now Anthony Richardson is going to have all the pressure because he's the he was the first round pick for the for the Indianapolis Colts. So everyone's going to see you know is going to be looking to him to be the hero. They do have Kenyon Drake, a veteran. However, he's not at the level of Jonathan Taylor. He's not as young as Jonathan Taylor. So. Without Jonathan Taylor, I just don't see Indianapolis really succeeding, and I don't see Anthony Richardson making that development he needs, the necessary development to possibly last in the league and not have like not get benched like Trey Lance's, you know. Or Indianapolis would have to start over again and try to find a veteran quarterback to help him out. Having him there would definitely limit the potential problems that they can face going into the future. I know whenever we were looking at the draft and people were saying the Colts. I thought the Colts would be fine because they have Michael Pittman, another young wide receiver, and Jonathan Taylor. They can they can work with he can they can work with Anthony Richardson. But now they're taking away one of his best weapons and letting him seek a trade. Anthony Richardson is not going to be good without him. You know, not having that running back presence is just it's just going to be it's just going to hurt him. It's hurting him more than it is helping anybody else. You know, it's. You know, peep, you know, it's helping. It's not like Jonathan Taylor because I'm sure he can go seek a trade and go get paid somewhere else. But it's just hurting the Colts with Jerm Ursay, you know, allowing this to happen because now it's like, what are we going to do when Anthony Richardson is struggling? What are we going to do when he has to throw the ball because we can't move past three yards on rushing and we have to use him to run? He can get hurt. Something can happen to Anthony Richardson. And guess whose fault it is? Jim Ursay in the front office for allowing Jonathan Taylor to leave. So, hopefully, if they figure it out or if they don't find a good trade and he's stuck with them for a year, maybe Jonathan Taylor can come in, help out Anthony Richardson, boost up his stock, and see what happens in the offseason. But for now, this is just going to hurt Anthony Richardson more, and it's single-handedly going to ruin Anthony Richardson because there's no way you should allow a top running back talent like that walk out the door, especially when you have a rookie quarterback who has had a lot of criticism, not just by me, but other people. A lot of people think, you know, not just me, but a lot of others think that he got drafted too high. Maybe he had no business being in the first round, you know, outside of C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young. It should have been just those two and then everybody else. So with Jonathan Taylor there, it will help his development. Without him, Anthony Richardson's kind of screwed, essentially. He's really screwed. And the Colts are just setting them up for failure. And they're essentially setting up the organization to be last in their division. All right, so moving on. So let's stick with Jonathan Taylor here. Who do I – there's a lot of teams that may have interest in him. Here are my top three teams that should possibly pick up Jonathan Taylor. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They're working with already some good talent. They have a good offensive line, a good defense. They have Baker Mayfield in the backfield, which we'll talk about him in a second. All they're missing really is a top-notch running back. Leonard Fournette is gone. They're running, uh, relying on Rashad White, who had a decent season last year. But Rashad White or Jonathan Taylor, I, I take Jonathan Taylor. Like he's his off his running game would just boost the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to the next level, and it would probably solidify them winning the NFC South. You know, especially since they're kind of in a weak division. And I believe that you know the Tampa Bay Buccaneers can work around some you know work around with the salary cap, figure it out from there. And, you know, maybe give him a decent contract, especially since they're saving a lot of money with Baker Mayfield. They only gave him, like, a one-year, $2 million contract or something like that. Or eight. Like, they gave him a pretty small contract for quarterback, so they have money to maybe work with, especially since, you know, like I said, they save money with Baker Mayfield being there than drafting a quarterback. So maybe with him coming in, if they trade for him and bring him in, they can, he can maybe help out the Buccaneers make a push for the playoffs. 
The next team I could see is maybe the Buffalo Bills. My biggest thing with the Buffalo Bills, what I think they're missing is a top-notch running back. So if Buffalo can definitely get somehow land Jonathan Taylor and bring him into Buffalo, they're, first of all, hands down winning the AFC East. Like, there's no question about it. But they would also be able to compete with Kansas City, especially with the whole drama going on with Chris Jones possibly holding out till week eight and miss, you know, and missing the entirety of the season. So having him there, you know, Jonathan Taylor there, a strong running back, that John, then um, Josh Allen won't have to rely on his legs. They can expand the offense, and they don't have to necessarily like settle to just always throw the ball and Stephon Diggs and Gabe uh, Gabe Davis. You know, they have to do a high flying offense. They able they're able to be well more well balanced, especially now with their defense returning. Um, their uh, Von Miller's returning to the Buffalo Bills defense. It's just going to be essential for the Buffalo Bills, and I think if they want to take their team to the next level and beat Patrick Mahomes and maybe make the Super Bowl, Jonathan Taylor is definitely going to be a big help for them. Next up, I would say the Kansas City Chiefs. I know Pacheco had a good season last year, but having Jonathan Taylor there with Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey, just having another weapon for Patrick, and they can have a stronger running game than they've had uh, in years past. So I think with a strong running game for Kansas City, especially since Chris Jones may be out, having an extra piece on offense won't really hurt, especially since they're going to have to go up against a very loaded AFC division this year. So it's I think if the Chiefs can somehow land him, I think it's another I think it's going to be it's going to definitely multiply their chances of winning the Super Bowl again and going back to back. Alrighty, so last thing for around the NFL, Baker Mayfield has been named the starting quarterback for the Buccaneers. I have been praising it. I've been speaking it to existence. Baker Mayfield will become the starter, and they will win their division in the NFC South. And I've been arguing this is that it's a weak division. If any, if there's any chance he can, you know, essentially save his NFL career, this is going to be the time to do it. Here's why: when you look at the Buccaneers compared to the rest of the other teams he's been on, he definitely has more talent with the Buccaneers than he's had in Cleveland, than in uh, Carolina, and then in. Hmm, sorry about that. And in L.A., because in Cleveland, he really only had Nick Chubb and Jarvis Landry. And that was really it. Odell Beckham, you can argue Odell Beckham, but Odell Beckham wasn't there because he, he didn't play the whole time. Then he moved to Carolina. All he really had was D.J. Moore, and he had a little bit of CMC when he was, when he was available. But he also had Matt Rule, who was a horrible coach. Then he got shipped to L.A. for the Rams. He was working with second stringers, and he I think he finished 3-3 three and three with the LA Rams at the end of the, at the end of the year when it didn't matter cuz they weren't going to make the playoffs anyways but he still did decent and now he's coming to the Buccaneers look at the team he has he has a probably a he has a pretty good offensive line i would say they're probably top 10 top 15 that's his offensive line let's look at their defense top 10 top 15 defense he can make it work then you look at the talent around him let's look at Mike Evans an all pro future hall of famer who who has gotten over a thousand yard receiving yards i believe in the last four or five years that's what he's gotten chris godwin who's a good wide receiver too and a speed demon he can get downfield rashad white who's a decent running back who can help with the run game and if they try to make a push for jonathan taylor they're set up he has a complete team with tampa bay you know and if for people that were thinking it's gonna be kyle trask i mean do you really think kyle trask was gonna do out outplay baker mayfield when i saw baker mayfield play in the Preseason games, it looked like more he was more comfortable in the offense than I thought Kyle Trask was. I think Kyle Trask was still trying to figure it out a little bit, but I thought Baker did a pretty good job coming in, learning the offense, and he's you know that's why he's been named the starter. Like I said, the division's weak right now. 
the only team I could really see realistically competing with Baker Mayfield and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers is going to be the Saints because of Derek Carr, Alvin Kamara, whenever he comes back. Michael Thomas, we'll throw him in until week four. Chris Olave is there, and they have a decent defense. The You look at the other two teams, Atlanta, giant question mark. Because even with B.J. Robinson, he's not going to save the he's not going to save that team because we don't know what Desmond Ritter is going to look like. Will Kyle Pitts stop stop? Will he finally stop disappointing fantasy owners? We don't know. And then we go to the Panthers. We seriously don't know what Bryce Young is going to look like. <coughs> we don't know what Bryce Young is going to look like. Hands down, we don't know. He's a number one pick. He's projected to be the best quarterback in the draft. Yes. However. We have to wait and see what he's going to look like with this offense. Now let's go to his offensive teammates. He has Adam Thielen and two pretty good running backs, and that's probably about it. And that's kind of a concerning thing. He has a decent defense, but his offense just isn't up to par when you look at Tampa Bay's setup. Or even if you go to the Saints. Like, those two teams are going to be the biggest question marks. Atlanta and the uh, Carolina Panthers are the two biggest question marks because they're running with young young. With young talent and very limited talent at wide receiver, the Saints are, are going to be the one of the team that I think is going to be the closest to the Buccaneers just because, like I said, Derek Carr coming in. They still have Jameis Winston, who they gave an extension to. They also have, like I said, Chris Olave, Alvin Kamara once he comes back. They have well, Jimmy Graham's not going to be there. Uh, Taysom Hill, and they have a decent defense. But I think the Buccaneers are more of a complete team than the Saints are. That's why I have them winning the division even with Baker Mayfield being there. So I'm very excited. I'm happy that Baker Mayfield got the starting job over Kyle Trask because I believe he was going to get it either way. And I think he's going to be the quarterback that's going to at least get them to win the division. Weak or not, he's going to get them to win the division and make the playoffs. And we'll just have to see what happens from there. But alrighty, that's going to wrap things up on this episode of the Cowboys Fan vs. the World podcast. Make sure you follow me on all of my social media at Cowboys Fan vs. the World. I'm on Facebook. Instagram, Threads, Twitter, TikTok. This episode will be up on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcast, and Amazon Music. Football season's almost here, everybody. I'm super excited. I hope you guys are too. And I'll catch you guys in the next episode.